Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. What do I know? What do I know, huh? When it comes to the beautiful game, a whole lot. United States in the under-20 World Cup beat France earlier on the day in the round of 16, taking out what everybody thought was the best team in the tournament, 3-2 after trailing 2-1 in the second half. The U.S. under-20s get a couple of good goals late and beat France 3-2. So much to talk about with this one. And it's bigger than just this game because a lot of you probably didn't even know that game went on, right? The under-20 World Cup has been red hot. I love it. But some of you may have missed it or maybe if you're just a fan of the show and you don't even like soccer, you just love good radio, I'll explain a little more. Throughout the uh, knockouts, uh, I beg your pardon, throughout the group stage, so many fans in the United States were like, oh, we've got to avoid France. We've got to finish first or second in our group instead of getting one of those third-place spots because, oh, heaven forbid, we have to run into the mighty France. And I got sick of hearing about it because, look, I want to win my group. I want to go out and win three games in the group no matter what level it is. United States men, women, under-20s, under-20 women, under-17. under It doesn't matter. But sometimes that's not going to happen. And I got tired of everybody like, oh, no, doom and gloom. We might have to play France. So a few days ago, May 31st to be exact, I tweeted this. I said, here's a novel concept for all our U.S. national teams, including the under-20s. Maybe we don't worry about avoiding France or anyone else for that matter. How about we go play to win and beat any and everyone? Cool? Hashtag I love football, like I always do. And, you know, a few people respected that on Twitter. I don't have a huge following over there, but I should, but I don't. And, you know, look, I am the most modest man in the history of radio. But sometimes you just got to call people out when you're right and they're wrong. And today, the United States went out and beat France. Like we should be doing. This is the third straight under-20 World Cup where the United States has gone to the quarterfinal. This is not a shock. Even our beloved ESPN.com, right? ESPN FC, which I love. You know we love it on this show. We reference it. We use, you know, talk about stories from there a lot. It's great. Even their headline early in the day, U.S. under-20s stun France in the World Cup last 16. Really? Really? Stun? These are 19 and 18-year-olds. Anything can happen. They weren't playing Kylian Mbappe and Zinedine Zidane today. Let's grow up here as a nation when it comes to football. I know we missed the World Cup like the Netherlands did, like Italy did, like Chile did. It happens. We are a lot better footballing nation top to bottom than even we believe, and I'm tired of it. Great win for the U.S. Make no mistake. Go out and win. But we should be demanding more as a whole. Not just, This should not be a shock. We should not be putting up a, a headline, the U.S. stuns France. This, first of all, if you watch the World Cup like I did, the under-20 World Cup, France looked all right. They looked all right this tournament. They weren't, I mean, they had a good record. They won their games, but they weren't dominant. They're beatable. I mean, come on. These are kids. We're so worried about everything. And by the way, we got second in our group. I know, not third. But heaven forbid, we don't, you know, we have to, oh, no, we're going to. 
were in trouble against France going in. They're so good. I watched them play Mali and Saudi Arabia. They looked all right. I knew the U.S. could win, and that's why I tweeted that. And guess what? The U.S. can win the whole stinking tournament. Doesn't mean they will. Knockout games have some issues. You know, at times, you might have a bad day. But I'll I'll say this, and this includes Greg Berhalter at the top of the U.S. men's national team. This includes our U.S. women's team, which is about to go into the World Cup. Oh, can't wait for that. Talk a little bit more about that coming up. If we don't win a competition, fire the head coach. That's the way we should be thinking. Yes. I don't care if we go to the next World Cup in 2022 or if we finish this World Cup in France with the women, which starts in just days. If we finish second... Fire the head coach. If Greg Berhalter takes us to second place in the 2022 World Cup, shake his hand, thank him for his hard work, you're fired. Oh, Denholm, that's insane. No, it's not. One of the only ways we're going to get to where we want to go and where I want to go is winning a World Cup by the time I die is we got to start demanding a lot more about for ourselves. And this U.S. under-20 game just brought it all back. Everybody on Twitter, what a shocking result. It's so great. Oh, what an upset. Shut up. These are 18- and 19-year-old kids for the U.S. They're all pros, for crying out loud, for the most. I mean, these guys are playing in professionally. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to make mistakes. Just like the guy, the French keeper. Oh, and I want to say this real quick. The French keeper, he's a starter for Fiorentina. Okay? He's a good player. Came up through Toulouse. He was starting when he was like 16 in Ligue 1, which is a very good underrated league. Goes to Fiorentina. He's their number one. And I normally don't pick individually on kids, regardless of whether they're pros or not when they're 19 or 20, especially when they're playing for their country. But I'll say this. The United States, Uli, Uli uh, Yanez had a good shot late in the second half. It went over the bar, right? France was winning 2-1 at the time. And the French keeper gave the little finger wag. Like, I didn't touch it, but also like, yeah, you're not going to beat me from there. Right? It was a long-range shot. And then the French keeper made a gaff on the game-winning goal when he, he gave up a rebound, and I loved it. I laughed as I was watching that game in a restaurant by myself. Yeah, whatever. Laugh at me if you want. I don't care. I'm a f- diehard football fan. I laughed at the French keeper for that because shame on you wagging that finger earlier in the game. And you saw it if you watched the game. I thought it was awesome when he gave up that rebound. Normally, not going to try to pick on a 19-year-old, and I'm not really even meaning to pick on him now. I'm not going to name his name because of that, but it was just funny. You shouldn't be doing that stuff. It comes back to bite you. Even though you think you're going to beat the U.S., you didn't. And we have got to get over this inferiority complex. Nobody else around the world is going to give us any hand over it. But you know who should be afraid? Instead of everybody being afraid to play France, they should be afraid to play us. You know what group is the group of death in just about every World Cup? The one we are in. We make it the group of death, coming out of the third pot, usually. Let's grow up. Oh, we missed the world. Yeah, we did. Does the Netherlands, are they terrible? Is Chile a horrid in football? Is Italy? Well, then shut up. Enough is enough. So sick of this. And it's our own fault. Shame on U.S. soccer fans. Champions League final. 
as we said here, you Liverpool, the heavy favorite, fully deserved to win, but it was a horrid game. Lackluster, poor play. Couple of factors there. Long layoff, yeah. Absolutely. But you know what else? There's a couple, two real big factors, even more so than the long layoff. Because Liverpool gets the 2 0 win. A fully deserved win. They are the champions of Europe and they deserved it. You want to know the two main reasons why that game was awful? A, it was not a good year for European football. These are not classic teams in any stretch of the imagination. Don't even try to sell me that this is some Liverpool is some European juggernaut in the sense of historically here with this roster and this team. They're good. They deserve to win this year's Champions League. No doubt. They're the best. Even better than Barcelona. I thought Barcelona was the best team. And I even said it a few weeks. No. Liverpool. But Barcelona was weak. Real Madrid was weak. It's a down year. Those are the two reasons. Now, when I say the game was horrid, Awful, lackluster, what in the world was Tottenham doing? Spurs looked awful for 90-plus minutes virtually. It happens because one-off finals are not things of beauty usually, and they're not supposed to be really. When you've got one game to win something as big as the Champions League, the trophy that is waiting for you and on the line, glory and history and honor forever if you win, you're not going to be seeing a thing of beauty generally speaking. And one-offs in all sports. Did you watch the Super Bowl in February? A lot on the line. Two best teams in the NFL. I don't think there's any doubt of that. And woof, that was an awful game. And I hadn't seen the Rams play that bad in a couple of seasons. Right? One-off championships can get ugly. I mean, even on a local level, MLS Cup. Not always pretty. LA, LA Galaxy won a couple of real nail biters where they looked pretty ugly. They also won a couple of good games. Sometimes you get a great game out of it. Just didn't happen to be in this year's UCL final. Who cares? If you're Liverpool, you're never remembering that. It doesn't matter. Hit me up on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. As we continue the conversation there, even after the shows are done here, of course you can follow us on Twitter there, at Talk Soccer. You can also subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. Go to the ESPN Pod Center. Go to Apple, whatever they're now calling it. (laughs) I don't know with all the changes to iTunes or whatever. I don't even know what's going on over there. Just search for Soccer Weekly in the podcast section. Subscribe, rate, and review. Black and Gold Breakdown is coming up. The best team in MLS. We talk about that. And shame on Portland Timbers. That and so much more. I'm Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football. In Southern California, ESPNLA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPNLA 710. Dave Dunham hanging out with you as we roll on here each and every week. A special Tuesday edition. you got the NBA Finals coming up on Wednesday night on ESPNLA. Don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. We roll on here with the single greatest uh, team in all of MLS. It's time for Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, break it down! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Break it down like this! Right now. Right at the edge of the 18. Going to try to send it off wide. Oh, Vela steps in. Stolen away by LSC. Vela to the area. Goal! At 
Martinelli gives the ball away and Vela makes them pay. It's 1-0 in the sixth minute. 16 games, 16 goals for the greatest player in MLS. His name is Carlos Vela. Zimmerman out wide now sneaking forward. With a pass with the right foot to Vela. Down the line to Blackman making the run. Blackman, the cross into the six. Rossi gets there. Goal! Rossi beat the defender to the ball and put it in on the pass from Blackman. It's 2-0 LAFC. You saw it develop and Rossi with his eighth goal of the season. To Atuesta. 30 yards from goal. Two players on him, but he gets a decay. One touches it to Blessing. Blessing's now going to pop it out wide to Harvey, who's wide open at the 18. Harvey's crossed to the back post. Blessing, goal! Harvey finds Blessing at the 6. And Latif, one touches it into the back of the net. It's 3-1. Beautiful goal for LAFC. They recapture the two-goal lead. Oh, what a game for LAFC. They end up hanging on. 3-2 win over Providence Park, Portland Timbers, opening up that park. Say goodnight and uh, say goodbye to the Portland Timbers uh, road or home, uh, I guess, dominance of late. In fact, they've been so good at home. I think that was their first loss in a home opener in almost, what, 15 years, something like that? I could be wrong on that. I could. I, I had the stat with me on the weekend, but my, I'm getting old and it uh, slips me. But, whoa, what a game for LAFC. They're now 11-1-4, 4-1-3 on a road. 37 points, 16 games. I'm shaking my head because they're just so good. Plus 26 now, goal difference. And it's just so... I heard uh, Matthew Doyle over at... Uh, Matt Doyle over at MLSsoccer.com had a great stat that sometime during the weekend, now that was before Philadelphia went through their game, right, over the uh, over the weekend. But at the time, LAFC was plus 26 which at the time was more goals than any other team had scored. <laughs> well, Philadelphia now has 28 goals. They're at the top of the Eastern Conference. But, oh, this team just keeps on rolling along. Now, the big story of the game, though, was not even the final score. Both teams started getting into it. And I got to say, it was ridiculous how badly Portland Timbers treated Carlos Vela. Timbers are right back into this game. LAFC started down the line here on the near side. Taken down is Vela again with a rugged tackle by Blanco just 30 yards from goal. That's going to earn a yellow card. Shame on Portland Timbers. It was butchery. It was ridiculous. Time and time again, Vela was fouled eight times. Now, the referee, Robert Sabigo, who's actually a pretty good MLS ref, did not have a good game. He let it get out of control. And I heard some people talk about, you know, including... Uh, I think Bobby Warshaw at MLSsoccer.com. I love the stuff they do, as I've referenced them a few times already. But even he was saying it's not really a player's fault for Portland. But, you know, come on. If the ref's going to let you get away with it, then everybody's going to do it. Well, but that's ridiculous. Play the game. It was butchery. And shame on Portland Timbers for going that route. And it didn't work. So good to, uh, good on you. It is so easy to sports hate Portland Timbers. I mean, they are my least favorite now team. How, how how bad must you be? How hateable are you when you're more hateable than Seattle or San Jose? And you know, on a much lesser note, you build this new, you know, the stadium, you keep adding on to it. You can't be a massive club and play on turf. You just can't. Sorry. Not sorry. Sounders 
Portland. You can't be some massive MLS club and run around playing on the artificial surface. I don't care what your excuses are. They're excuses. But, the, yeah, okay, the referee has to protect Carlos Vela. Getting back to the topic, it was just a, a joke. Now, we might see the disciplinary committee take a further look at the incident. Adama Diamande comes uh, crashing over into Julio Cascante to defend his teammate, and then everything, little melee breaks loose there over by the benches. Bob Bradley was having a word or two or a hundred with Giovanni Savarese after the game. Enough is enough. I understand that, you know, people are going to say you got to play them tough, you got to play uh, Vela physical. Carlos Vela doesn't whine or complain about this stuff. He goes about his business. He's not a diver. He, does, he doesn't, you know, make a meal out of everything. He gets up and goes about his business most of the time. And even he was getting more and more frustrated. So you got to protect a guy like that. Now, if you're Bob Bradley, what you do is you tell your team, just go out and beat them, and they did. And that was the sweetest victory for me all season. With everything that was on the line, and then the way Portland went about their business. Diego Chara, who actually I thought had one of his better games that I've ever seen him play. I think he's one of the most overrated players in MLS history. He actually played pretty well in this one, other than he's just cannot control himself. He just can't control himself. It's ridiculous. So, again, one of the sweetest wins in the two years of LAFC's history, maybe the first ever game, you could argue, for historical purposes, and the first game at Bank of California Stadium, the way those victories went down against Seattle last season. But I'll tell you, this is right up there. And it, it it's, couldn't have come at a better time in terms of the break away from MLS. Now you got the Open Cup game coming up against RSL on June 11th, a week from today, as we do this show here on a Tuesday. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you so much. But that game's coming up on June 11th. You'll hear it on ESPN LA. Can't wait for that. But we have a nice break here from MLS action. And what a better way to go into it, huh? Currently nine points ahead of second place LA Galaxy, who took a loss against the Bruce Arena-led New England Revolution. That is weird to say, right? <laughs> That's all. That is really weird to say. But it puts LAFC in such a good position, and I'll tell you why. It's the next topic I want to discuss. LAFC has to win the Supporter Shield. When you have put yourself in this position nearly halfway through the season. Now think about that. We are not talking five games in anymore. The season is almost halfway done for every team. With a few exceptions. I know there's a few teams that have some games in hand. LAFC, 16 games in, has a 9-point lead over LA Galaxy and 11 points better than Seattle Sounders. And what? Nine points better than Philadelphia, 10 better than D.C., and 11 better than Atlanta in the East, which could still be tricky because the East is weaker. But LAFC must win the Supporter Shield for a couple of reasons. First, you get off to this kind of start, you got to take advantage of it. Second, yeah, you all we all want to win MLS Cup. No doubt. That is the goal. Win the playoffs, win the championship. 
But as I said earlier with the UCL final, one-off playoff games, no matter how good you are, they can be tricky, right? No matter how dominant you've been in a regular season, a bad penalty call, somebody trips over somebody in the box, things don't go your way, a couple of great saves by your opponent, the keeper stands on his head for 40 minutes, you get the point. You get the point. So you want to win that supporter shield, especially when you've done what LAFC has done to put themselves in this position. And that buys you right into the Champions League, right? You earn your ticket right into the Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League. That's where we want to end up if you're LAFC, if you're the black and gold. Got to get that done. And a win over Portland on the road. Now you've taken six points from the Timbers. That is huge. That goes a long way. Remember, as I said a few times, look at the away column when it comes to the standings. LAFC going to be hard to beat at home, without a doubt. Like a few good teams are. There's, what, four teams, I think, that are still unbeaten at home? It's, it's hard to win on the road. Check out the away column for LAFC. Remember last year, they got a lot of wins on the road, but they finished up below 500 on the road as well. 23 points on the road last season respectable no doubt but they ended up seven eight and two away from home right now they're four one and three that's going to be the key to winning that supporter shield getting points on the road right that is that is what they need to win that supporter shield you got to win the supporter shield if you're LAFC this season. I know it's a lot of pressure. Long way to go. Nothing is guaranteed. Still some very good teams out there. And it is a long season. I get all that. But what they are doing has just been incredible. And and we talked a little bit about how Bob Bradley should handle the Open Cup. I know they're going to be, you know, Walker Zimmerman, Tyler Miller are away at the U.S. You know, guys might... And, uh, you know, we've Mark Anthony K, Peter Lee Vassell. People are going to be missing the Gold Cup. We get, I get all that. But you ought to go out in, that, in the U.S. Open Cup with the strongest possible lineup you can throw out there. Because these guys who are still back and still playing with the LAFC, a lot of time off between that next MLS game coming up on the 28th of June. So take advantage of it if you can and go out and, and uh, look for a couple of big wins, hopefully, in the U.S. Open Cup before then in June. Why not? It's another pathway to the Champions League. If, as I always tell my buddies, if you're in a poker tournament, if you signed up and you paid your might as well win it. If you're in the U.S. Open Cup and you're one of the teams that's still left, might as well go ahead and win it. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Still so much more to get to. It's going, it goes so fast. Twitter is a cesspool, as we know. You can follow me on there, at TalkSoccer. But trying to have a conversation, you know, trying to have a decent sports conversation is absurd. Absolutely absurd. Plus, the Women's World Cup is just about to kick off soon. And we want to talk to you about the World Cup game. Remember that one, Mario, with the World Cup game? I do, I do. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about how you can play that for the Women's World Cup coming up. That and so much more. I am Dave Dadholm. You are listening to the home of world football in Southern California and the world, frankly, 
Let's be realistic. It is ESPNLA 710. Soccer Weekly ESPNLA 710 marches on. Cannot wait. Again, another big a big win in U.S. soccer earlier in the day in the under-20 World Cup where the U.S. men under-20 side beat France, one of the favorites. Many people thought they were the best team in the under-20 World Cup. So why not go and win it, right? Going to take on Ecuador. Now in the quarterfinals with a, a trip to the semis on the line. That comes up Saturday. That's a massive game. Great win for Tab Ramos and his side. And they played well coming back from... They were up 1-0, down 2-1. It was a good game. And France is a good team. But, I mean, come on. The U.S. was every bit their equal, if not better. Let's stop with the high, you know headlines. Even ESPN.com, who we love, obviously. U.S. under-20s stun France. Really? It's an 18- and 19-year-old. Is it really that stunning that the... A mild upset, maybe. I mean, the U.S. is pretty good. Got professionals playing there, right? It's not a big upset. I mean, come on. Let's go out and win. Let's have some more respect for ourselves. Respect, mad respect for the upcoming Women's World Cup. Kicking off in just days when France takes on South Korea in the opening game of that one. The United States, we talked a little bit about it. And I'm not so sure this is the the U.S.'s strongest team ever but I still think this is a team that is the favorite again doesn't mean you're going to win every time we are the defending champs but a lot of good teams in this World Cup do you remember the World Cup game we played last last men's World Cup in the summer my buddy Mario my buddy uh, obviously Mario my buddy Matt Brighton Matt yeah yeah, remember that? This is well, a game that you kind of created, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, my buddy Carlos and I did. Nice. Well, we ca- we came up with it for the Men's World Cup, but it's, you know, same thing for the Women's World Cup. Of course. It's slightly different in the sense that there's only six groups, but it's the same principle. Same idea, yeah. Same idea. What you do is you get, uh, you know, whatever it is, whatever number you want to use uh, in terms of it's usually four players. You can do three with this. You can do four, whatever. But essentially, you cannot pick any... You have one team per group. So even if you wanted to do... Technically, if you wanted to do three is the ultimate number. Just you and two of your closest friends, since there's six groups, right? Yep. One team per group. And then, you know, now with the Women's World Cup, you might grab a second team in these groups. But you cannot grab a second team before you have grabbed every other group. In other words, you have to have a team in each of the six groups before you can take your second team in another group. So there's a lot of strategy. And Mario, again, it works out great with the 32 teams in the Men's World Cup. They might screw that up coming up in the future, though, with the 48 team. We're going to have to realign that. But I suggest the game. And all you do is, if your team wins, you get three points. If they draw, you get one. And a win in the knockout phase is worth three. Unless it's on penalties, then you both get a point, but your team advances, in other words. So you're still alive. And then whoever wins the most points wins. It's beautiful. That's awesome. Sounds oh, good to I me. I love it. It was so much fun. It is. Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. I highly recommend it. Now, you're running out of days here to get it done. Who are the teams that I would recommend in each group? Well, let's go right to it. France is the, the host in Group A, Korea, Republic, Norway, Nigeria. I, you can't sleep on Norway, but France, to me, is the best team. I think Nigeria can throw a little wrench into the plans of everybody in that group, though. And South Korea, at times, can be tough to break down. Group B, Germany, China, Spain, South Africa. That's Germany's group to do with what they want. I'll be shocked if anything else happens in that group. Group C, Australia, Italy, Brazil, 
and Jamaica. Uh, you know, Brazil, I think Australia is the team there. Brazil likely can be still be a factor in this World Cup. Uh, I think Italy is a, also ran. Jamaica could uh, actually is a great story. You know, like they, I just want to see them do well. It's CONCACAF. They don't get a lot of love. I want to see the Jamaican women do really well. I hope they play really well. Group D, England, Scotland, Argentina, Japan. Japan, former World Cup winner, is so good. I believe they're the best in that group by plenty. England can be dangerous as well. Group E, Canada, Cameroon, New Zealand, and the Netherlands. To me, this is the weakest group, although Canada and the Netherlands are good teams. But I do think that they're clearly uh, the favorites in that. Uh, group F is where the United States resides with Thailand, Chile, and Sweden, who's also very good. I, it's a little bit of a trick. I, the United States should get th- through this group rather easily, frankly. And I do believe the United States is the favorite in this one, but they are not. First of all, this is not the greatest team we've ever had, I don't think. And secondly, tactically and skill-wise, so many countries have advanced so much faster than the United States lately. It's true. Japan, way, way more physically, ta- like skill-wise, tactically, just ahead of us. And the United States women still oftentimes rely a little too much on the, the physicality of it, the brute force nature of it, which we are still, and look, we're very good. Make no mistake. We are the favorites. But I think the United States is now trying to maybe adapt a little bit more to be that more skilled team might take a little bit here. So it would not shock me if we don't win this World Cup. But in the long run, we're definitely on the right track. You know what I mean? We're getting better and better, I believe, the U.S. women's program. I know that sounds crazy because we may not win this World Cup. I really believe that. And yet, we're on the right path, if that makes sense. So I am jazzed about the Women's World Cup, no doubt about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Any, I mean, put World Cup in the name of it, and I love it. I don't care if it's the under-17s. I don't care if it's uh, the Women's World Cup, the uh, the men's under-21, you know, under the U-20 World Cup, whatever. Just put World Cup in it, and I'm all over it. So let's keep track of that together, shall we? Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer with your favorites, please. And good luck to Brighton Matt against his uh, friends over there across the pond as they take on uh, they go against each other in the Women's World Cup game. United States has a friendly coming up tomorrow, Wednesday against Jamaica. As we get ready for the Gold Cup, we'll be breaking down the Gold Cup further. I mean, these are good friendlies. These are important friendlies. I'm not going to spend too much time previewing it. It is a friendly after all. We're getting ready for the competition that really matters in the Gold Cup. So, you know, you want to see them play well. Some guys are going to get their opportunities. Let's see how they do. But I'm not going to spend, you know, it's not that big. You know, not the end of the world. I wanted to talk a little bit of something on Twitter, though. Remember, I, I previewed this or teased it a little bit before the break. Twitter is a cesspool. We know this. Make no mistake, I'm on it every day, and I'm on it a lot. I am hypocritical when it comes to that. If I'm going to sit here and tell you, oh, you shouldn't be on it. No. I use it to promote the show. I use it to talk to the people who listen to the show. Love you. Even if you don't agree with me. But it is amazing how things can spiral out of control on Twitter, isn't it? And I just got to share this with you because, I mean, we've all been through it. Utterly and completely, we've all been through it. 
Earlier on the day, the story broke, and it was all over Twitter earlier in the day, that Zach Steffen, you know, Columbus Crew said goodbye to him the other night after their game. Great goalkeeper, 24 years old, got a great future. He is leaving. He was bought by, uh, his contract was bought by Man City in a transfer, of course. Great, that's awesome, Man City. And a lot of people thought, well, he's probably going to transfer out somewhere. He may stay with them as a backup, or who knows? He's 24, he's a great keeper. But the story came out, and I had heard about it first on Twitter from Paul Tenorio, who's an excellent reporter for The Athletic. He had the story that Zach Seffen was going, essentially going to go on loan right away to Fortuna Dusseldorf, who finished 10th in the Bundesliga, right in the middle of the Bundesliga after being promoted. Fortuna Dusseldorf had a nice season. They are a good team. I like the way they play. You know me. I worked for Fox Sports for a number of years. Did a lot of work on the Bundesliga. I like the I love the Bundesliga. Not just like it. I respect it. Really an underrated league overall. And I tweeted this after Tenorio had broke the news there on his Twitter feed that Zach Steffen was going out on loan to Dusseldorf. Here's what I tweeted exactly at 2.30 p.m. Well, like 11.30. It was earlier in the day. I don't know. Whenever. 12.30, 11.30. 11.30. This is coming up on Eastern time. No, it had to be. It had to be earlier. Maybe I'm wrong though. Maybe it was earlier in the day. Who cares? This is my exact tweet from Paul Tenorio's. I'm just responding here. "Quote: He will fit right in. Dusseldorf is about equal to the Columbus Crew. Holy cow! You would have thought I insulted everybody's mother who's ever watched a game in the Bundesliga." Oh my goodness, they came out like, and I even followed it up after people were so red hot about it. I said, look, I love the Bundesliga. I respect Dusseldorf. They're a good team. And I just said, Columbus Crew is a good franchise overall. Yeah, they're struggling a little bit this season. But it's not like Dusseldorf is just levels and layers better than the Columbus Crew night in, night out. I mean, come on. And you would have thought... I ran over their puppies with a truck. How ridiculous. I mean, the blinders that come on and people just start insulting you. Then you fight back a little bit. And I didn't get, I don't go crazy on it because it's just not worth it. And oh, heaven forbid. Unbelievable. You would have thought I wanted to end the Bundesliga forever. The the tweets and the, the vitriol that comes out, oh, it's MLS isn't as good as the second division. In, in, stop. Holy cow, I've watched more games of the Bundesliga probably than all these people tweeting me combined the last few years. It's a nice league. Calm down. It's just so funny how that happens, isn't it? I mean, it, it, you could be anything on Twitter. It's just hilarious how things get out of hand for no reason. It's just ridiculous. And it's like, and I love how if I say something declarative, right? Yeah, Columbus Crew, they're as good as Fortuna Dusseldorf. I'm freaking nuts, and there's no way that's possible. But they can just come out and say, oh, MLS, of course, is five level, levels below the Bundesliga. And somehow I'm just supposed to believe that. Like, I'm supposed to accept everything you say is the truth, 
But when we say something, oh, heaven forbid. I mean, it's just, ah, it is really quite funny. (laughs) Amazing. Unbelievable. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. (laughs) We'll continue the conversation there, as we always do. I got no problem with that. Oh, so much fun. It is really a lot of fun, no doubt about it. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. Anything about the show, any of your stuff, Women's World Cup opinions, who's going to win, who who are some of your sleepers from the Women's World Cup. I love that. Uh, Talking about the U.S. under-20 side who gets a big win over France. That was a nice win, but let's not, you know, go crazy over it. We should be beating teams all the time. Let's have a little more respect for ourselves, shall we? That and so much more. we got stoppage time still to come as well. This is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Dethelm, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. It is Soccer Weekly, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California, the home of LAFC. This is ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dethelm, the voice of Los Angeles Football Club here on the radio. And what a season they are having. We are uh, rolling and enjoying it here on ESPN LA with the 11-1-4 start nearly midway through. But the LAFC now... Must take that U.S. Open Cup uh, train, if you will, a little detour to try to win the U.S. Open Cup. It starts with their fourth-round matchup against RSL. Coming up a week from tonight, next Tuesday, you'll hear it right here on ESPN LA. We can't wait to get into that match. It is time now for the L.A. Care Injury Report. And L.A. Care, our mission has always been to provide quality, affordable health care coverage to all Angelinos. For more information, visit LACare.org today. L.A. Care for all of L.A. And if you're going to take a look at the injury report, we might as well take a look at the teams are, that are playing in this Open Cup. You know, LAFC, of course, and LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy are taking on the very interesting Orange County Football Club, OCFC. One of the lower division teams who's still around. That is going to be fun. That game is the day after the LAFC-Real Salt Lake game. So for LA Galaxy... Getting a little bit healthier, to be sure. Rolf Felcher's kind of struggling a little bit with the leg injury. We've got the long-term injury with Roman Alessandrini, of course. For LAFC, uh, tough news for Javi Perez. Tore his ACL. Had the, uh, he's, that's a season-ending injury there, unfortunately, for him. We wish him a speedy recovery. More importantly, a healthy recovery. Uh, Stephen Bader's are still out with the left hamstring strain. Don't know if we'll see him in this open. Why, why bother with that? Why chance that when you have uh, so much time off, potentially, in June for him to keep resting up? Tristan Blackman, that's fine. Give others a chance there at that right-back spot. Let Steven get uh, 100% back. And then uh, Alejandro Guido is still questionable with the right quad strain. For RSL, one name that's on there, but it's good news for them in a sense, it's that he's listed as probable a very talented player, Albert Rusnak, who's got an ankle issue, but again, listed as probable currently on the MLS injury report. So we'll see how that plays out in terms of going up against RSL in the upcoming U.S. Open Cup. So that's your L.A. Care injury report. It is time now for the best segment in all of radio. It's time for Stoppage Time. What time is it? It's Stoppage Time! Yeah! Stoppage Time! It's Stoppage Time! Right now! Oh, the great Mario Rees, who's the producer of this show and LAFC here on ESPN LA. He is the host of Stoppage Time. Take away, Mario. What's going on, buddy? Dave, like LAFC can hang in the Bundesliga. Come on, man. I mean, I mean come on. Oh, no, not even the Bundesliga 2, yeah. Mario. Yeah. Get out of here. It's, it's ridiculous. 
All right, Dave. So we're gonna go right here with the uh, with the Gold Cup here break for MLS. We're pretty much halfway through the MLS season, right? Yeah. Let, now let's take a look at ESPN's MLS Top Ten Power Rankings. Oh, okay, I love it. Uh, LAFC started the season at number one and have held that spot week in and week out. Without a doubt, the best team in the league with eleven wins. Four draws and just one loss. And at number two, we got Philadelphia Union jumping from number five to the number two this week with an eight, four, and four record on the campaign. And now at number three, the Houston Dynamo uh, with a seven, three, and three record led by the talented and excited Albert Elise, one of my favorite players in the league. Yeah. Uh, number four, New York City FC comes in at number four with a record of four, eight, and one. And at number yeah, five. Yeah, too many draws there. That's where, if we could stop there real quick. That's my first disagreement there. NYCFC is a nice team, unbeaten at home, but with four draws out of five games at home. They've only lost once on the, they only have one loss, Mario, but yeah. eight draws against four wins. I mean, that, no, I can't, I can't say they're that, quite that high up on the list for me. And at number five, we got the Galaxy, who just lost to uh, Bruce Serena in the Revolution, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, no, much as I would love for LAFC and LA Galaxy to be the two best teams in the league, which I think they were earlier in the year, the Galaxy, six losses, no. I think Atlanta is better right now than the LA Galaxy. At number six, we got Wayne Rooney and DC United. Uh, number seven, look out, look out Eastern Conference because the reigning MLS Cup champs, Atlanta United, got things clicking again yeah, yeah. and are currently at number seven. And then at number eight, we got the New York Red Bulls. At number nine, Seattle Sounders. Number 10, FC Dallas. Mm. What are your thoughts, Dave, of, you know, this, this first half of the MLS season so yeah, far? Yeah, you know, I, I do. I like, I mean, the list is fine. I have no real major issues with it other than the ones I just kind of outlined there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, there are a lot of very good teams. There's one great team right now. That's LAFC. Some other teams could be stepping up to that. I think the Sounders might be a little low on that list, Mario, for me. At number nine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, three losses. They've kind of stubbed their toe a little bit of late because some injuries and some players missing. That's a very tough team to beat. You know, it's not like they're great, but they're hard to beat. And that, that goes a long way in MLS. You know, like if you look at LA Galaxy, they're not drawing a lot of games. They're winning a lot, but they're also losing a lot of games. They're not that hard to beat on certain nights. Seattle, Houston Dynamo, tough teams to actually get a win from, whether you play them at home or you go on the road, even tougher, of course. So I think those two teams, to me, are uh, very, very tricky. Uh, D.C. United, look, I understand. I'm not just basing this on the, you know, the way LAFC went over to D.C. and just destroyed them. I think D.C. United, they're a little bit uh, maybe overrated. I mean, good team. Could be still a threat if they can put some things together in the second half, but I don't think they score enough goals for my liking. Atlanta's just now starting to, to catch on, you know, to what Frank DeBoer wants, and Joseph Martinez starting to score goals. So, yeah, I mean, I like what you're saying. Uh, is there anybody who, I don't know, is there really anybody that's out of this list, out of the top ten that could still be dangerous? I still say, as crazy as it sounds, but Matias Almeida's San Jose Earthquakes playing a lot better of late. Mario, I, yeah, they had a tough, tough start. Yeah, I, that's a pretty. I don't know. They're they're out of a playoff spot right now. I mean, they really are not very good on paper because of the rough start, as you said. But I don't know. They're pretty, I agree. They could be dangerous if they yeah, can squeeze they, in. Yeah, I think they can. I think so too. You know, and I think they will be very dangerous for any club that they play in the postseason. So that'll be interesting. What are your thoughts on uh, this uh, women's World Cup, brother? Before we, uh, you know. 
I'm pumped. I'm excited, man. I yeah. can't wait. You should see downtown. We have so many billboards of all the, some of the stars on the squad. It's awesome, man. Nike's yeah, really you, going all out. You walk by where you usually see like the bat. You know, you usually see LeBron. Yeah. Or back in the day, Kobe. Uh, that's now you're looking up and you're seeing the women's uh, U.S. soccer team on the, on the so, whole side of uh, a big hotel. It's yeah. huge. Cannot wait. Yeah. It, it is going to be a lot of fun. I do think we are. As I said earlier, we're gonna, we're the favorites. But this is no guarantee by a long shot. There's a lot of good teams that could win the World Cup. I'm pumped for the men's under 22. This yeah. Saturday is the quarterfinal against Ecuador. Ecuador, yeah. 8.30 in the morning. I'm waking up, and I'm going to watch that first thing Look, Saturday morning. I don't want to call out my Twitter buddy, Stefan Harin, or anything, but I'm just saying, Stefan. <laughs> we're gonna, it's going to be a good game. I got a lot. I got a lot of Ecuadoriano friends too. So I'm calling them all out. Matter of fact, I was just texting (laughs) with my friend. I was just texting my friend from Ecuador, Charlie. I don't. uh, Well, yeah, we we know a few of them that are going to definitely be in our ear if we lose. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun as well. Thanks so much for the great Mario. Mario, thanks so much, buddy. Thank you, Dave. That was stoppage time. Uh, As always, don't forget if you missed anything, you can listen to the podcast. Download it at the ESPN Pod Center. Subscribe. Uh, go to the uh, whatever iTunes is nowadays, whatever that version is of Apple, if you want to find it at their podcast center there. Just uh, search for Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Dathome. Hit me up on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. Thank you once again for listening. This is the home of world football. It's the home of LAFC here in Southern California. ESPN LA, 710.